Answer me this. How long have you had that mattress? Because it's looking even lumpier than my lockdown love handles. And while those might be more cuddly, a lumpy mattress is doing nothing for your comfort levels or your sleep. So whatever body you're rocking, put it on a Nectar mattress. And right now you can save over $500 on any queen or king bundle. That includes a Nectar mattress, foundation, mattress protector, cooling pillows, and sheet set, as well as our 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com slash save 500 and get hugged. Hi everyone, welcome to Wolves Fancast. Matt Guy here to talk you through the unlikely, I'm sure everybody would agree, win against uh, Southampton. I'm joined by Gully, Kim and Dan on today's show. And um, let's get straight into it, really. Um, thoughts prior to the game. Obviously, a disappointing and pretty unspectacular exit for the FA Cup. Question marks will be put around the decision to put out what we'd all agree was a weakened size against Southampton with the look ahead to this game. Skimming back to that, was that something that you expected when you looked at the lineup full strength, or would you have would you have expected something different after the fact that we pretty much gifted them some confidence going into this game? Dan, I'll start with you if you don't mind. I don't really know where to start with it. Like, I think everyone was massively frustrated that the team that lined up today was what we all wanted in the Cup in the week. But we're, we don't see it from a, a financial point of view. Like I, I believe Fosen do. I think it's the, the point we've got to now is they want to finish as high a league position as we can to earn a bit more money. The Cup, as we all know, doesn't pay out anymore, does it? Doesn't pay out, but it is a route to Europe. If you look at it purely from financials and uh, a European run, however unlikely it would have been that we won the competition, would have been more beneficial than a few places in the league, you'd like to have thought. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to to put a stamp on it without, without the hindsight. Did, does, did Nuno have the faith that we could go on to win the competition? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did. It's one of them, really. And Kim, looking at the actual lineup, no real surprises there, apart from potentially um, hero slash villain, depending on who you ask. Kilman not playing. Um, the lineup, apart from that, pretty much writes itself. Is there any shocks for you, or was it par for the course? I don't think so. Um, I mean, you could argue that that's kind of our strongest lineup now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Hindsight, I don't think Kilman should have been dropped, but it's here or there, isn't it? Isn't it really? He's not exactly, you know, a lot better than Dendonka or Sace. Um, it, it, yeah, I think overall you could you couldn't have been unhappy with the lineup, apart from the fact that we didn't play that lineup on Thursday. Like, you know, th- th- there was nothing wrong with it, but I still had my doubts in terms of having virtually three, you know, centre midfielders at centre-back, personally. I just think, you know, it was always going to be a recipe for disaster in terms of Danny Ings trying to get in behind them. And I mm. guess that sort of showed in the first half. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that. Gully, in terms of, you know, having Johnny back on the, on the pitch, obviously that's got to be a massive positive um, to get him on. Anything from you from the lineup that that rang any alarm bells, or or actually take it the other way? Was it a bit uninspiring? Just that we've kind of rolled the dice again, and let's see if the, the same the, the same lineup can bode a different result than the last couple of league games. Uh, nothing really rang alarm bells. I think from the squad we have available to us, it was about as strong as we've got. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly. In terms of experience, um, the only real other route you could go down is to just freshen it up with a bit of youth, which we did uh, on Thursday night and um, didn't really pay off whatsoever. Um, 
and it was difficult to kind of we knew what was going to happen we knew that this was going to be the the approach um Sace and for Kilman was probably the only debatable decision but like you say Kim it's neither here nor there which one out of them two starts at the moment so you know you're left with this kind of feeling of well as we all said after the Thursday game if he's going to prioritize this one what are we what are we looking to achieve here? And I've still got that feeling kind of at the end of the 90 minutes. So to be perfectly honest, I'm sure we'll get into the rest of it. But initial reaction was just a bit, yeah, predictable. But, you know, what's the end game here? Mm, I'd agree. I, I mean, looking at, at the Southampton lineup, um, I had a bit of a panic about Minamino being on the pitch just in that, uh, uh, you know, a player that's come from Liverpool not really had the rub of the green that he would have liked at Liverpool, wanting to probably make his mark in a Southampton shirt in the league. Danny Ings being on the pitch as well is always going to be a threat, as we found out. Um, so it's one of those, really. The start was prior to the actual uh, game itself. I thought it could have gone either way. But, I mean, as we know, uh, it ended in our favour. But let's talk about the first half, obviously, first, which was less than inspiring. Summing up for me in three words, the first half before we dig into it a little deeper. Anybody want to hazard a go? Lacking, demoralising, pathetic. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, no, no, that, that's pro- that, that is harsh. It, it's harsh. But that's just... The... I don't know if it is harsh, Dan. I don't know if it, it is harsh. It's because, like, we, apart from their goal, did either team really look like li- deserving to lead at half-time? I don't think they did. That They had probably a bit more intent than us, but... We had um, we had three shots on uh, on uh, three goal attempts, all three of them off target, compared to three attempts for Southampton, two of which were on target. So can you can like, anyone recall those shots though? Because I personally can't. Matinho shanked one into the arm end. Um, I remember Adama having a one on one against Vestergaard, and he basically just sprinted the advertising board. <laughs> was that a shot? <laughs> Maybe it was. I knew it was a shot because I don't know what, what he was trying to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Jesus yeah, that was shocking. It, it was it was an awful first half, but I think I don't know. We, do we all agree that we've seen worse? I think we've seen worse. I think we've seen worse. Yeah. I, just, I think that it's it, it's so frustrating because going after the 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 cup performance, you just you expected us to come out the traps because we've had key. Players that have that have had a rest, basically. Um, Kim, the first half for you. I mean, it was very ponderous. What you know, it wasn't a possession masterclass by Southampton. You know, it's pretty equal in terms of possession. But what did you take from the first half in terms of Wolves' attempts or lack thereof to to, to get in attacking positions? I mean, just going back to how I felt about the game. I actually felt like Southampton would really come at us, I think, prior. Um, and they notably had, I think, a couple more players come back into their team, Minamino um, and Armstrong from Thursday. So I almost kind of resigned myself to that was what, what was going to happen. And it kind of did, like, you know, OK, so weren't, Southampton weren't great. But they at least look like that they were going to score when they came at us a few times. And mm. don't get me wrong, it wasn't like they were coming at us and we couldn't handle it almost. I think they were just more decisive in their play and we were just a bit lacklustre. Like we weren't horrendous. No one, not one player on that pitch in the first half was horrendous, but not one player was above a four out of ten, maybe. Like it, it was very beige. It was very game, beige, wasn't it? Yeah, the game was just passing us by. And you almost thought that, for instance, if it was 2-0 at half-time, like, I think it probably could have been. Um, Patricio, I think, saved one, didn't he, from Redmond. And if, and if you know, for instance, if we'd have gone 2-0 down, then I don't think we would have come back personally from mm. that. Yeah, you're right. I mean... Defensively, um, you know, Patricio made a couple of good saves throughout the whole game in the first half. That um, the chance from from Redmond that he that he made that he saved obviously kept us in the half and probably then in the game altogether. Really, I thought after the cup game, for, for, 
from what I saw in the cup game, we were we had an, we had a bit of an intensity and we pressed a little more aggressively and I expected that again today and I didn't quite see it. Dan, how did you think in terms of you know our pace? Did, did we have it right in the first half or was it just a bit too ponderous and and lethargic? I think like what you said there, ponderous is a good way of describing it. Really, I just think going into the game and we, we, we've took seven out of. The last nine points now in the league, and that sort of first half performance did not look like a team in that sort of okay of a form, which is a bit ridiculous to think that we're, we're coming into form now. Seven out of nine points coming into form, am I right? Well, it, it, I think you're thinking that because we had absolutely no right to beat Arsenal without two ridiculous brain dead red cards. Do you know what I mean? Like. If that if that if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have won that game. So I think that I think naturally we feel that we might be coming into form, but we're certainly not playing that way. Would you agree with that, Gulu? Yeah, I I I question whether we're coming into form. Yes, in terms of points and collecting, you know, climbing up the table a bit, but the performances, I'd suggest the Leicester game as a whole, and maybe this 45 minutes spent in the second half, which we'll get onto, I'm sure. But I I I'm still reticent in terms of claiming that we're we're getting back on track. Um, I've got a lot of questions uh, still in my head around Nuno and, and what his approach is because the first half today just felt very back to square one. Kind of, you know, there was an attempt to kind of lift the intensity and we were pressing a bit higher. I think I saw Martino go and try and chase the keeper down at one point. So you could see that there was an idea there, but everything was just so off key and everyone was out of sync with each other. Um, you know, Neves and Traore, I don't think have had worse halves of football um, all season long. They were absolutely dreadful. Um, and it all kind of seemed to fall apart from there, really. And yeah, I, 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 we were just feeling, I feel apathetic, to be honest. I didn't really have any feeling whatsoever towards the team at that point. Um I had football manager going on at the, the same time. Are you saying we're papering over the cracks? Totally, totally and utterly. Um, and, well, well, we'll get on to the second half, I'm sure. But like I say, this this shouldn't be this shouldn't be you know claimed as some kind of great moral victory, and that Nuno's you know really put a marker down for all the haters and all that kind of thing, because that's way too short sighted for me. Way too well, short sighted. Was it a Nuno masterclass where he because they'd put out a full side in the cup, like he knew they were going to tire in the second half, and this is what the outcome was always going to be under Nuno. You know what? It, there's an sure. there's an argument perhaps, but I just think there's no way he intended for the heart first half to go the way it did. There's no way, and um, you know we can we can, we should all we were all talking again. Like I said, after the the FA Cup game, how frustrated we'd be if we went and won this game, and that's still a feeling that I hold personally, just because you know that there's there was something. To go for on Thursday night, and um, we, still we just stuff did to it. go for in the league now, isn't it? Because of how tight the league is, we, just, we can still make top but six. Can you, can you see? Can you go see on. us winning five or six games in a row, which would like obviously shoot us at the table? Playing like that—that's it, what it's going to take. Playing like the second half, we could. <sighs> Even second half, I know we don't. We haven't got onto it yet. But we Let's still I think what's important to look at in this really crazy season that we're having is actually some of the away games that we've got left to play. I'm right in thinking more away teams have won this season than any other, I'm pretty sure, or, or, or at least a very high amount. We've still got Newcastle in the league away. We've still got Villa in the league away. City, we'll, we'll model the write-off now. Fulham uh, and the Albion. Um, for the remainder of the season. We've also got Spurs and Everton by the end of the season. In a topsy-turvy season like this, there's absolutely no reason why we can't go on a run. But if you asked 100 people that question on the first half, you're going to get a very different answer to 100 people on the performance of the second half. We are, we are, as we all know, for the last 18 months, second half FC. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a prime example of it today. You go back to the Leicester game, if Fabio Silva scores that chance, we took another three points. We're doing things the ugly way at the moment, but we're picking up points, which we weren't doing in December, January, were we? 
You know how fickle I am. You know how negative I've been. But is this the win that they need to get a bit of belief and a bit of confidence in themselves, which they've been lacking? Because obviously... They've got to start. They've got to be reading what we're saying on social media, not not as a, not purely the fan cast, but as a whole fan base. Yeah, that there is a lot of negativity, project fear at the moment within Wolves Twitter and the like. But with a big win like that, when it was sort of against the cards, the league's that tight. It's a bit like the championship at the moment. You win three on the bench, you up there. You, you lose three on the bench, you down there. But we've took seven at last nine. We was unlucky not to beat Leicester with a Fabio chance. Have things turned? I'm, I'm naturally pessimistic, and even I've just got a feeling that we can push on now. It's, it seems like a turning point. My, I, I'd be sorry, Kim. Go on. If you look at the next three games, I don't want to. Yeah, it's this actually could turn our season around because we've got Leeds, who I actually think that the way that we play, that we could literally pick them off if we just like you know defend deep and then hit them on the break. Newcastle is Newcastle, and then we've got Villa. So, not suggesting that we could win three, but we could do, couldn't we? Out of those three games, we could pick up six points at least. Well, my concern, and to bring it back to the first half of the game, is just a clear lack of chance creation. Now, that can't be by that can't be by coincidence. That has to be by design, because. We wouldn't if we weren't losing by the end of the half. We don't come out in the same way, and I think, like we've mentioned before, Nuno is very, very happy to go into the break at nil-nil, providing we haven't conceded. And there's no intention there of attacking with any with any intensity, and that has to change. I mean, I can't be the only one that thinks that. We the, we've got a we've got a really good excuse to be fair, Matt. Where. This time last season, we were playing um, Southampton. We were 2 0 down at half time, you know, in a worse situation that, that we were in um, today. And we came back to win. Now, um, I, I, I remember I was in Prague at, at this point and um, we watched the first half, um, you know, really in the, in the back alleys of Prague somewhere. And I, I, gave, I gave up on that, that team, you know, a team that was playing with confidence. At half time, and we decided to go for a one day because I couldn't say to my cousins who aren't Wolves fans that we're going to sit here for another 45 minutes when we're 2 0 down. Now, if it's all about a lot of it's about perception, and Dan, you're right in the sense that you know this could be perceived as a Nuno masterclass in the sense that last year's performance against Southampton was that you know we took that away as a you know what we've played this to a T, we've come back from 2 0 down 1 3 2, you know, what an absolute wonderful football team we are as a result. And today, the perception, because of the way we've been playing it, over a period of time, is very much the opposite. So, you know, it, again, I, I don't really know what to make of this game, full stop. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult one to judge. The thing that's in my back of my mind, I don't know if you ever listened to the Carl Henry Old Gold Club episode, when he was talking about how the players just said, fuck it, we're going to play how we want to play now. We said, listening to what Solbakken was saying. Has Nuno said something at half-time that's really G'd them up? Or they just thought, fuck it, we're letting ourselves down, let's just go and play how we want to play? And they've just they've, they've gone on the front foot. I I think that it might have been... Bit of both. He's given an, I think he's given them an absolute bollocking. And, and he might have even just come out of it and said, listen, this is my head on the chopping block, and this is it, you want me out? You want me out, carry on, don't want me out. Fucking play for play for me, and that and that'd be it. And, that, and they've and they've come they've come good for him. In in terms of kind of, is it a masterclass? Listen, you give a monkey all the time in the world and a typewriter, he'll write Shakespeare eventually, just by just by the law of averages. I don't think it's a masterclass. I think he's fell into place, and the, and the players have dug him out of a hole personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's more like it. Um... I mean, for, listen, we want to try and keep things positive if we can so like we'll move on from from the first half but one question I, I would want to ask would one of our players on the bench have made any impact on that first half if we'd have brought them on the quick the you know what is what has he done you know whose parade is he pissed on not to get a start or not to get some game so if we're going to mix things up what's he got to do to get a start was any other player on that bench making any impact on that first half Probably not for me. I, I think you know the the it was good to see Marcel back. 
personally, mm-hmm. but you've already got Johnny Otto, you know, in that position. So it's much of a muchness there, really. Um, other than that, you know, William Jose and Fabio Silva are basically the same footballer at the moment, it seems. Mm-hmm. Neither of them get into games enough. The, the only thing you could say is Silva seems to be getting on the end of chances more than Jose does. Um, and, you know, he seems to be sniffing them out a little bit um, easier. So is there an argument there that he, he could be in for a slot um, in that striking role ahead of him? And I wouldn't necessarily argue with that with the way that Jose's played so far, um, especially the last couple of games. But we know we're, we're struggling with our squad depth. We know we, we've not got much um, in the tank in reserve. And, uh, you know, that's you know a, a wider issue on recruitment, bottom line. Mm. Kim, for you, is there any is there anything that, from a chances created point of view, is it much of a muchness, or is it a lack of ambition in that first half and, and draw the line under it? Well, I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? I mean, you know, we we we're always gonna have have to sit back, aren't we, a little bit against Southampton because I know they haven't been in good form, but you know, there's got to be some element of that. But, I mean, we just didn't, even going forward in the first half, that run by Traore, who literally just, like, ran it out of play, kind of just summed us up, really, in the first half. And But I think that's the issue. We're looking to Traore or Neto every single game, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Neither of them were in the game. They were literally double-marked from the Southampton defence. And that, that's that's how you have to play against us. The two literally, the two wing backs and midfielders just need to double up on both of them. And they know that Neves and Matinho, you know, all they do, yeah, they might have like one shot, but it's always goes over the bar. So they're happy, you know, the central midfielders are happy to let Neves and Matinho sort of, mm. you know, have pop shots from 40 yards out. Then, you know, okay, apart from Matinho's goal the other day. That was like a one-off. Mm. So I, I do feel that Sky better literally having people's pants down every week by offering a boost on Neves to score from outside the area. Because <laughs> everyone has got it in the back of their mind that he's going to score. And everyone, back when 15, was the last so. time he scored from outside the box? I literally don't remember now. It's been that long. It's probably Espanol, I reckon. The volley. That one. But let's listen. Let's move on to the second half. Obviously, things we don't know what's happened. Sadly, we're not at the point which we will get to eventually, where we see team talks um, when Amazon Prime and, and the like get their groovy mitts on the dressing rooms. But for now, we don't know what was said. All we do know is there definitely was a reaction. Pretty much straight away into the second half, you felt the intensity and you felt um, the pace went up. We were passing the ball around with a bit more zip. Did you think? Pretty much at the start of the half, we've got a chance of getting back into this, Dan. Definitely. I think this, this, the first sort of 10 minutes, they they sort of struggled to get out there. You could see there was a more of a clear intent to press them higher up the pitch. Obviously, Adama and Neto switching flanks. I don't know whether it was... Was Adama playing more as a centre-forward than a left wing? He seemed to be a lot more central than what Neto was. I didn't mm. really... He really was quite better. narrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was quite um, narrow. Well, yeah, I just thought the intent was there. We seemed to be a lot more higher up the pitch as a unit. Um, like I said earlier, did say, did say Hampton tire, and that's what the game plan was. I, I'm mad on giving Nuno a bit too much credit. I'm not sure. Not sure. I'm not sure. All I know is, you know, with the intensity building up, actually, was that, was that a great time to do that? You know, coming out the traps, um, giving Southampton a headache straight away. We need to talk about it purely because it is a goal, but the decision on the handball um, leading to our penalty, I mean, we were, obviously we were going to say it's penalty because, you know, it's in our favour, but there can't be many complaints there. I know the argument would be he's turning away and it's actually after the ball struck his arm that his hand is in its most unnatural position. Can there be any serious complaints from a Southampton point of view for the penalty decision, Kim? I think, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I feel like if that was against us, I would feel a little bit aggrieved because I don't feel like he's intentionally handled the ball. But I'm not confused with what the rule actually is now 
Mm. I can't say for definite either way. Um, it's one of those, isn't it? It literally is that close, Bertrand, <clears throat> close to it. That, and he's not even looking, you know, he's not even looking at the ball, is there? So it's like, it is harsh, but then if it was the other way around, would we all be saying it's obviously handball? So I'm more or less on the fence. I don't really know. You know, obviously we'll take it. It's kind of mm. gone in that favourite, maybe a little bit. But as I say, I don't genuinely know how what the rule is now because I feel like they've changed it, haven't they, midway through the season? Yeah. I mean, whilst not intentional, it definitely takes away the flight of the ball, what would have been an on-target shot. So my understanding is if it struck the arm in a position where it's, you know, the sh- with the shirt, the green zone, red zone, whatever you want to call it, and it would have been going in, it's regardless of intent, it's still a handball. If it's stopping, you know, it's like, it's like it being a, you know, denying a clear goal scoring opportunity almost. Um, harsh, maybe, but... I think, I think his reaction said it all, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I no, think no, Ryan Burton's reaction said it all. Who was it in the championship season who gave away a handball? It might be Bristol, where he gave away a handball and it pretty much straight away went, oh, for fuck's sake, and like threw his hands down. He knew he gave it. can't remember who it was. It just reminded me of that, really. Like, it was almost a, a confession, wasn't it? To give away this uh, the penalty. Yeah. No, 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 was it, it wasn't Dan- us. We, we, we played. Oh. No, no, no. I'm sure we played. Someone, someone will tell us on, on Twitter, I'm sure. Um... But yeah, his reaction might have given the might have given the the referee even more ammo to give that. Gully, what did you make of the um, of the uh, the handball? I just think that you know the law is what it is now, um, and for everyone that goes for us, we've had him go against us. You know, as an example, Max Kilman against Leicester. So we're on a level playing field. You can make you know these decisions. Um, you know, look as controversial as you like, but. Yeah this is the game that we're playing now. As long as it's not like, you know, the Tottenham one where Eric Dyer's up for a header and it's hit him on the back of the arm and, you know, he's, he's not even turning and facing the ball. That's the kind of thing that you want to try and stamp out, which they have now. But if this is the letter of the law that they want to play to, that's what we've just got to get used to. So, yeah, yeah you know, get on with it, guys. Southampton, piss off. No, I couldn't. I couldn't watch the penalty. Like I was, because I I knew at this point, this you know, this is a turning point in the game. It's a reward for the build-up of pressure that we've put on. Um, and all I had was flashbacks to Sheffield United away. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's all I could think about. And so I had to, you know, I had the audio. I had the audio off, and I had to just look at my wife for the reaction because I couldn't watch it. When the goal goes in, fantastic penalty, of course. Be honest with me now. Did you think we'd go on to win the game, or did you think Wolves are going to do a Wolves of current, and we're going to, and it's going to be nervy still, and there's every chance either side could could concede again? It's it's a it's football is the only game I think it's the only sport I know where you can almost have redemption within the same game. You know, in the sense that you know the Wolves players hadn't done themselves justice for 30, 45 minutes, but they still had the opportunity to make things right, um, and that's clearly what they did and just a little bit of a confidence boost. And to be fair, I don't, I don't recall us ever benefiting from refereeing decisions so often in the last few weeks. I just feel like that maybe our looks changed a little bit um, in that sense, you know, obviously with the, the Arsenal game going the way it did, etc. And, you know, these things can just transform a player's confidence. And what we, what happened to that team from that moment on for the next 10, 15 minutes, at least, was you, you didn't recognise them from that first half. And I, I was saying to Luke on, on Instagram at halftime, like, I was, I said, just throwing it out there, um, what happens if we win this game from 1-0? And at that point, honestly, all the comments came through saying, lol, at the thought of winning this game. And, you know, all the cry face, laugh, laugh emojis were all coming through and everything. And it's like, but this is football, this shit can happen. And, you know, we, we turn the game on its head with, yeah, refereeing decision, but also in a moment of genius as well. So, mm. you know, and you've always got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, spectacular halves from a few players, you know, really dug us out of a hole that we had put ourselves in by our own creation, unfortunately. Dan, who highlighted for you before we move on to Neto's absolute wonder goal? When the second half started, was there any players in particular that you thought had upped their game massively compared to the first half? 
I thought they all did to a degree. I mean, there's the sort of the starting position up the field of Neto and Adama seemed to just give us that bit more of an intent. Um, midfield maybe had a bit more urgency trying to win us the ball back, which they definitely didn't have in the first half. Um, I don't think anyone really upped the game to a, an, an astonishing level. I just thought because we were a lot higher up the pitch, we were more effective in the areas where we should have been. I mean, at half-time, I mean, whoever was doing the Wolves fancast admin today during the in-game, so negative, whoever that was. I mean, they posted at half-time saying 14-1 to 1 that Ball Sports was offering, asking what odds was um, would, would the fans give. And there was one guy that said 1,000 to 1. And the admin agreed with him. I, I thought he was just ridiculous. Um, just, I just thought are you, they, are, you they turned yourself, are you digging yourself out here, Dan? That that was, oh yeah, it was me, wasn't it? <laughs> just, we've, got, we've just got a happy clap our way out of this, people. Just join in, <laughs> have the faith, have Keep the faith. The faith. <laughs> Did you feel now with your little happy clapper tweet? Did it work? <laughs> Do it. Every- Did it work? Now. Kim, I've got to ask, by 12.45, even you couldn't have been on the gym by then. So at that point, did you think to yourself, I can't believe what I'm seeing here with a clear head? Or was it, did you actually, did, you know, was this something after the first goal, did you think that we could go on to to do better things within the game and, and come into the game? And, you know, we created chances. Was, was there hope that we were going to win the game? I feel like it went the way that it could only go, i.e., if we were going to win the game, it would need some kind of resurgence from Neto and Troy Allray. And I think we got that, didn't we? Like, let's be honest, apart from, you know, as Dan said, like getting higher up off the, up the pitch and sort of like pressing a little bit more. It wasn't, it's not rocket science, but I think as soon as we kind of, you know, we were in at halftime 1-1 and then, you know, just... Just almost pushing, you know, Neto and Troy forward, getting them in on opposite sides, driving at the Southampton defence. It's quite simple, but it almost helped us grow into the game. And and I think it's just confidence more mm-hmm. than anything. Mm-hmm. And just that extra little spark in Neto that we have. And whilst, yes, Adama's effective, I think all round Neto, you know, if he gets a, a half-decent chance, you feel confident that he's going to put it away. And I think that's the difference, really. There's, but the same with Raul. If he gets half half a chance, you almost feel like, you know, he's at least going to get it on target. So I don't think we pulled a penny trees today. I just... Mm. We had that little bit of luck and we had that almost spark of confidence in terms of maybe getting the rubber the green on the penalty. And that's what turned it, really. I don't think there was that much between the teams. No, I'd say that's fair. I mean, we need to talk about um, Neto's goal. It, deser- it deserves a podcast of its own, potentially, because it's fantastic. Created pretty much all on his own. Um, looked like he was going to be taking it wide away from the um, away from the box, then cuts back in and has a, a great shot that was, you know, that's a finesse shot on FIFA all day long. Talk me through it. Neto, if he was English, he'd be touted in the same category as Phil Foden, surely, and, and, and that ilk of potential. I don't think he really gets the media praise that, that he deserves and probably to our benefit, you know. What do we think of the goal, though, Gully? Absolutely brilliant, or was it... Are we just expecting things from the lad unfairly? No, I, I, I personally think that this has been a long time coming, really, because... He does so much good work without any reward and it's kind of overdue um, for him. But I also just think we haven't had enough moments of quality in games um, that kind of dig us out of a hole. And again, going back to just the idea that football, you know, you can just win games on moments. You don't have to play well for 90 minutes to to get a result. And today is kind of an example of that. Um, you know, we have a quality, you know, squad of players, regardless of the injuries and things, they've all got individual ability to go and affect things and make things happen. And Pedro went and showed that. And there was that 
you know, it, it was reminiscent of that Ebanks Blake goal that, um, that he scored against uh, Charlton, you know, with the tight angle and smashing it through the keeper, basically. And, you know, nice, nice bit of nostalgia there. But I, I, I want a little bit more from him, I'll be honest. Uh, I, as much as I think you're right, he is an unbelievable talent and could be spoken of in those terms. I still think with all the good positions he can get himself into, all of his own work, and it's amazing what he does, there's still a little bit of output that he's missing, that final pass, that final shot, that final cross, where he's not getting, you know, on the end of things. Or, you know, I, I hate to make the comparison, but I, I feel like I need to. But with Jota, as an example, I don't see Neto going down to the championship and scoring 18 goals a season like Jota did for us. Yeah, I don't really see him see him doing that. So I still think there's a little bit more we can eke out of him. Mm. Jota comparison, Claxon going off in full force there. Dan, what did you think in terms of the way he created that pretty much out of nothing? The spark that we needed, obviously, to go on and win the game. Unbelievable goal, really. I mean, on par. I mean, one thing I will say, did I see the same goal that, that Amazon Prime pundits saw in Danny Ings being that amazing in comparison to the Neto goal? I didn't think it was anything... I thought it was a good strike. It's a good yeah, strike, but yeah. nothing. I mean, Ali McMoist <laughs> went for that goal, didn't he? He was all over it. But it, that's the sort of that's bread and butter finishing for Danny Ings. Absolutely, bread and butter for me. Just I know we've, we've we've always been sort of happy to get to allow balls to come into the box because because we've usually got a decent amount of numbers in there to clear away. But then Donker shouldn't be allowing that cross to get in as easy as he did. Mm. But can we get back to Neto's goal? What a goal that was. It, it, honestly, the footwork of Michael Flatley, the lad, just <laughs> unbelievable. You, you can't teach that. Them were the sort of goals that, you know, when you score amazing goals in a sports hall, but then it happens in real life. That's how you think you actually <laughs> look in a sports hall when, you, when you're like skilling a, skilling a middle-aged man who's just overweight and can't run anymore. But when you... When you burst past him a couple of times and whack it in the the five or so, a bit, hard, bit harsh on Vestergaard. That bit harsh on Vestergaard. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean that's just that's how I picture myself scoring these goals in a sports or when it happens on a real life pitch. Vestergaard, I thought he looked brilliant at times during that game today. Yeah, the way he was, was. spraying passes over our defence, but then Pedro Neto with those, like I said, Michael Flatley footwork, absolutely embarrassed him. He did really did. Kim, just to kind of. From a player's point of view, before we talk about the res- the result as a whole and sign off on the game, any other any other players you want to mention in terms of you know a good second half performance, and um, that perhaps we've already missed? I don't think there is really. I mean, Patricio, in terms of you know, made a couple of decent saves, but you've got to say, haven't you? Like you kind of expect him to make, you know, the couple of, I think one was from Adams, one was from Redmond in the first half. If he'd have let them in, everyone would have been like up in arms about it. Um, so, but generally I think he, he did fine. And he came out a little bit more and sort of claimed, claimed the ball a lot more. Um, yeah, I think in all fairness, I think you, you can't look past Neto and Adama though, as we said, mm, you know, those two sort of they did change the game and and swapping them swapping their wing play in terms of changing wings i think that's that's kind of what sort of won the game um and them, them cutting inside a lot more yeah um, and and southampton obviously not being as at it and again losing a, a lead which they, they tend to do so i don't think we need to get too excited but i do think it could be a stepping stone for us to sort of move on to better things and I think in terms of going back to Neto I think he's he's almost doing it on his own so I obviously don't want to see it but if you put him in a sort of Man City team it'd be interesting to see how he looked you know how much how much better Jota's looked I'm not suggesting we want that to happen obviously but yeah it'd be interesting to see and I don't really want to think we should be comparing them because it's Although they're, they're similar players, it's it's one of those. He's sort of doing it on his own at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. So he's not getting any sort of service or help from anyone else. So. Hmm. 
Um, Gully, so just before we move on then and, and, and go and have a break before we discuss the upcoming game ahead, uh, just summarise the game for us in, in terms of what that means now going forward and, and what you think that means in terms of the team's morale and, and how we, we move on from this. To be honest, Matt, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such an odd one, like I said. The, the 45 minutes is something to cling on to with, with a bit of, you know, we, we were able to show a little bit of intent, a little bit of our quality. Um, I still think there's big questions around the central striking position um, and, and trying to get the most out of whoever is playing there. Um, like I said earlier in the pods, Silva seems to be the one that would be sniffing out the chances, but can you rely on him to link up with Neto and Traore um, properly? Probably not. Jose looked okay at times today, but he also doesn't look like he's getting anywhere near scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, um, going back to you know Patricio, I've given him some stick, to be fair, um, this season. But today he was much more positive and played well, which is a good sign. And the back three, really, um, we're, we're, we're pretty comfortable. Um, I think we need to get a little bit more wing-backs going, going forward. They are the key to allowing Neto and Adama to, to take a little bit of pressure off them to, in terms of trying to do it all themselves. And if they're getting into the final third of the pitch, which they did, to be fair, quite regularly second half. So made obviously winning that penalty with his shot. Johnny got into the box a couple of times as well. That's going to be, you know, the real catalyst for allowing Adama and Neto to do their best work in the right areas of the pitch rather than trying to have, having to take on three men at a time. To, mm to make anything of, of any situation. So hopefully that's where this, you know, we've got a decent run of games, like you say, um, next few. And and that's where we start to play a lot more like our usual selves. Nicely put. Well, that seems like a good time to, um, to have a break. And when we come back from the break, we are going to talk about the upcoming game against Leeds and have a little Twitter corner action. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling, um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, WolvesFancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Welcome back to Wolves Fancast. Right, we are going to take this now as if it was a Nuno masterclass. And let's have a look at Leeds ahead. Now, we all know that Leeds United are the greatest promoted side and are the greatest manager of all time. So we should be expecting a, probably a 4-0 defeat if the, if the media had it their way. Realistically, going into this game, we'll be buoyed off the back of a win. And as the form table would have it coming into a bit of form, Leeds themselves, very Jekyll and Hyde season for them. One minute they're doing fantastically, the next minute, you know, they're, they're losing... What are your initial predictions going into the game? Do you think it's going to be an attacking masterclass and it's going to be something that in three, four years' time we're going to go back and thinking, oh, remember it was like that 4-3 with Dave Edwards scoring a header for the winner or is it going to be a ball fest like we've come to expect in the last few games? Difficult one, really, isn't it, with Leeds? First goal is massive in this game. I think it might be similar to the away game where we spend a lot of that that game having to soak up pressure and hopefully we do something on the on the counter. They're, they're a ridiculous team to try and work out Leeds because they are a team that are capable of knocking three or four past you with um, a lot of comfort, but they do leave gaps behind their midfield, which with the likes of Adama and Neto on the break, we should cause them problems. That, that first goal is definitely going to be key in that game. I'd agree completely. Go on, Kim. I feel like we're actually probably one of the best teams to play against Leeds in terms of the way we like to play. So, you know, defending deep, we're not going to give them any space in behind. And I think that this was evident in the first game, to be fair. 
um, when we played at, at Ellen Road, you know, we sort of just soaked up the pressure, didn't we, in the first half, if I remember rightly, and sort of just smashed and grabbed it in the second half. And I can't remember a game where Leeds were in where it was literally just what I think it was just one nil, wasn't it? Now that doesn't happen very often, does it? Like, you know, Leeds not scoring a goal in the game. So although I expect them to probably score because our defence doesn't look anything like it did back then. Um, I agree with Dan in terms of, I think we could have, if we're on our game and if Neto and Troyore are at it like they were in the second half, I think we could definitely score two, maybe three. Quite a bold statement, I know, but yeah, I think this is actually probably the best game that we could have because I think it, it sort of plays into our hands. Mm. Yeah, I mean, tired cliche or not, you do think of Leeds as a team that loses steam towards the end of their campaigns under under Bielsa. I know we're not quite in the home stretch of the season yet, and you know, but the games do come thick and fast at the moment. Glee, is this an opportunity for us actually to do a Nuno masterclass? So pressure for the first half hit him on the break in the second half and and come away with the points or do you think we still need a different tactic you know can we only roll out that car yeah uh, i mean i it's an interesting one for me just because i think i'm i'm not buying into the the idea that the first game against Leeds was a real vintage Wolves performance. I, I think we we were lucky in the sense that Leeds, they have a lack of quality. They still have a very kind of championship level squad in many areas of the, of the pitch. And they showed that against us. They had a lot of pressure, a lot of crosses into the box, lots of play around our flank, especially first half. And we got away with it a little bit, but we also defended pretty well. And now then, you know, we had our moments, the size disallowed goal and, and Jimenez obviously was a, was a quite, a quite a fortunate way to score. But I just want to see, regardless of who we're playing against now, just a much more cohesive unit, a much more, you know, proactive team. I, I don't think it's the case that, you know, we're going to necessarily make too much of the season. You know, like we say, we need to win five, six, seven games in a row to really start pushing into that top half of the league. So, Let's just go out and build that blueprint for next season. Let's, you know, talk about Nuno's plan for becoming a more possession-based side, uh, the plan to be more dominant in certain games. And, you know, build that. You've got, you got 15 game run-up, essentially, to next season now to, to, make, to embed that kind of system. Just make it happen. And if we go away and we lose 4-3 to Leeds on Friday, I haven't really got a problem with that personally, because I know at least... We've given them a good game. Yes, there are there are issues to address, but Leeds have, have torn apart, you know, better teams than us this season. And we've got we've given our forward players, which I think is really important, you know, giving them a you know, dangle us a carrot to say, you know what, we're gonna be a better team next season. We're gonna get you on the ball more, we're gonna allow you to really fulfill your potential. Because like we say, Neto. Adama, they probably flourish at other clubs at the moment, you know, and we're all fearful that someone's going to come in. You know, Liam Gallagher's obviously doing the PR for, for Man City at the moment um, around Pedro Neto. So, you know, we're all pretty concerned about the idea that he's not here next season. So let's give them something to really cling to as, as Wolves players. I think it's absolutely massive think, going to that Leeds game. You want to see in the, in the lineup? Sorry, Dan. I think it's massive going into that Leeds game that we we start the way that we start the second half with um, Adama and Neto on different wings. I, I said in a couple, a couple of podcasts ago that Adama and Samido need to build up a relationship quickly or one of them needs to be dropped. And it, it's, it's not going to be Adama that gets dropped, is it? Because we need him going forward. But I thought they looked... I think Neto and Samido have definitely got a better relationship than what Adama has with um, with Nelson. It's just It's just not working for whatever reason. I mean, you would have thought they'd be, you know, like Anton Deck came both play for Barcelona, the greatest football club that's ever been in the history of football. They know how to play football this way, that way, but it ain't just coming off, is it? So let's get Neto on the right, having cutting in on the left, cutting in onto his left, and just utilising Neto a bit better. I think Adama is probably a bit more better centrally. 
it just needs to be a bit more. It needs some fine tuning to uh, really work that position, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. mm, that's fair. Are there any changes that you want to see in the starting lineup? You know, there's been a lot of talk over the last few weeks. Civil war on Twitter about Matinho. Is he getting too much game time? Is he a luxury item? Kim, what's your views? Do you know? Is it they need to be very frantic and very attacking? Is Matinho the kind of player that you want on a pitch for that, or do you want somebody that's going to be a bit more defensively sound but might lack creative prowess? Well, I don't think, to be fair, Matinho is really creating a lot at the moment, is he really? Um, it's one of those, isn't it? I think if we had someone with, who was ready and waiting to, to go in that centre midfield that, that has been left out, then potentially you, you can't get away from the fact that Nevers and Matinia and they have the odd good game, but on the whole, I don't think, you know, they work that well together. But, you know, everyone's going on about Ottersoe. Should he have a chance? I don't know. I'd, I'm not sure Leeds is the, the best game to start in. Um and obviously, Morgan Gibbs White and Bettini, you know, we almost have to sort of change system a little bit for me to fit them in. And and, and you can't change system after, you know, a win. So for me, you know, all we could do is probably change Otto for Matinho. He's played two in a row, hasn't he, Matinho, weirdly, after, you know, two games in four days. So... I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but I think that just shows the lack of squad depth, really, mm. that we could, we'd only have Ottersari to come in. I mean, I guess what you've got to, what you've got to think about doing, I'll ask Dan this question, lo a loaded gun question here, Dan, for you. Do you bring Kilman in so you can move somebody like Sace or Dendonka to the midfield, or do you keep it the way that it is with the three at the back that we played today? I think for those that know me, would probably be surprised that I would bring Kilman back in against Leeds. No way. <laughs> nah. Purely. It's Valentine's Day, people. Love is in the air. Because I just thought, when Kilman came on at the end, he looked electric. And we just Did you see him that's... boot the ball out of play? Like, just straight... fucking <laughs> shit. Do you honestly think I was being genuine for a second there? I don't honestly, want to be honestly, I don't... We've got nine <laughs> subs. We've got nine subs available now, but I wouldn't even have him as part of that. I think the trouble is, Dan, your natural tone is sarcasm, sarcastic. So you never really know what you, whether you're being genuine when you say anything at all. I, I'm, I'm struggling with that one there. No, I... Is oh, Matt Gilman's Valentine's message on, on the Wolves' Twitter? He looks no. so enthralled. Yeah, you, you should take a watch if you haven't. Because he's a robot and he only knows how to do the basic <laughs> fundamentals of football. That's all you need, isn't it? No, not Futsal when you're in the Premier League. International, Dan. Futsal International. Oh, I just don't know what you want me to say to that sort of like he can't he can't he can't pass he's got no distribution quality he's basically a younger Ryan Bennett answer to your question is no no I would not bring in Max Kilman <laughs> I, 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 I understand I wanna... the sort of the concept of, oh, of yeah. I've, I've said it before about pushing even Den Dobbs a bit more physicality in the, in the central areas but we haven't got a centre-back for me to come in in, in order to allow Dendon Cross-Sace to I've got an idea it's just come to me I've solved it we're going to go with Cody right centre-back Sace is the sweeper Marcel left centre-back and the two wing-backs today and then we'll have um then Donker back in the midfield with Nevers. Am I the only one who thought Matinho was all right today? Uh, he, he did okay, but I just thought yeah. like he's... He was better than Nevers over 90 minutes. Um, 
over the 90 minutes may have just edged it, but I thought Neves was a lot more effective in the second half than Matinho was. No let, way let, let, Don could be in midfield ever again for Wolves. No. <sighs> I prefer him at centre-back, definitely. Like he, he literally, you know, he's, he's always tasked with that box-to-box midfielder role and he can't shoot. It's just, no... But Neves and Matinho can't shoot. They can't really. Edison's got more assists than them, pair. But Zendonga can't hasn't got the passing range that they have, has he? I don't. I don't, I don't know. When we play this system, I don't feel we're asking to be that creative. So then Zendonga can go in there and he can just run about and, and add a little bit more um, physicality and athleticism, which we miss. And. You know, we were all crying out for Dendonka plus one for how long in uh, part of this season. You know, it's it's you know it's not that long ago that he was the the absolute shoe in for that central midfield spot, and I don't think it's his fault. Well, it, it it is his fault that we missed chances, and you know, some some of these games could have been put to bed if he'd scored goals. But he also isn't clearly the type of player that is going to take us forward from central midfield. I don't think he's not going to progress us as a, as a player. In, in midfield, he's basically a Dave Edwards. So, oh, slanderous! Absolutely that is, that slanderous. Is. There's don't no way. Don't Dave, besmirch the name of Dave Edwards on my. I'm happy to. Watch. I'm happy to. There's no way Dave Edwards is scoring the winner against Villa the way that Den Donker did last year. Either way, Den Donker should be. He's fine at centre back. Actually, I would say he's. Dave Edwards, header against Leeds. Dave Edwards, finish against QPR. Dave Edwards, finish against Man City. Then Donker does not hit the target on any of them three. Actually, Dan, he's got the most shot without scoring. He might hit the target. He just won't necessarily put it away. Oh, you're not slandering Dave Edwards with, with Den Donker. Not that um, he's an infinitely better footballer than Dave Edwards. I'm sorry, like we can't even be having this conversation. No, I'm not having it. Yeah, he's the same kind of run around and not do a lot. But Dave Edwards, to be fair to him, used to pop up with the goals, didn't he? Let me just pull you up on a comment that you said a moment ago, Gully. Go you on. said Pedro Neto would not score 18 league goals in the championship. How many goals would Den Donker score in the championship compared to what Dave Edwards did? What on, are we talking about Edwards like he was the Lampard of the championship here? What are it we was, on about? It was, oh my god, it was the well. This, this, this club, oh man, we make legends out of the most average footballers. What are we doing? What are we doing? There's a reason why he never played for anybody other than Wolves, and that was because nobody would take him off our hands. Slanderous, come on, Matt, help me out here. He was a priceless commodity, that's why. As a poor man's Dave Edwards, I'm on a second ever podcast. If it wasn't for Dave Edwards, <laughs> like we might be in League One now. Well, we did go down to League One with Dave Edwards. <laughs> yeah, but he got us back up. And if it wasn't for that season, all I'm saying is, if you put Den Donker and Dave Edwards both in the corridor of uncertainty, there's only one guy that brings certainty of goals. God's sake. I actually feel so. <laughs> Edwards. It's well, not even a uh, point. I'm gonna call to, I'm gonna call time on this so we can we can um <laughs> I'll call in time on this so we can move on to Twitter corner because I've got a, I've got a question for Dan for Twitter corner. I'm putting my own Twitter corner question in now, first of all. Dan, this is this is to you directly. We have the opportunity we, we have a massive injury crisis, and the only centre back choice that we have is Kilman or recalling or re-signing. Hey, is this Vallejo? Are you playing? Well, so, but what, what, what other... We've, we've not got any other squad members like Dendon Crossace. Massive injury no. crisis there. All of them are out. Massive, massive, in, massive injury crisis. Um, it's Cody. It's Cody next to Kilman or Vallejo. And we haven't got Christian Marquez from the academy available. No one, no one, uh, this, this, no, nobody's available. <laughs> You're really dropping that to that level. Um, I'm, I'm willing to give Marquez a chance. I think he's, he's bided his time now. He's, he's been captain of the under 23s for a while. I'm happy to bring him in. Okay, I see. 
Over Vallejo, obviously, I've got to go Kilman, but that's just like it's like choosing Frankowski or Fabio Silva. There ain't really much between him at the moment, is there? <laughs> I know we get we, we can doctor that clip somehow to make you sound like his biggest fan, don't we? We'll sort it in some capacity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's move on to um Twitter corner then. Um, and we'll get some um some questions asked um from, from the fans out there. Keep an eye out, guys, on the um Twitter for our Twitter corner posts so you can get your own questions in, which was a nice way of me trying to find the tweets. So um, looking at uh, Adam Melia wants to know, based on the contrasting halves, Adama and Neto are better inside wingers than wingers discuss. I mean, the term inside wingers, is he referring to just kind of just central attacking midfielders? I'm not sure, but do we think cutting them inside and making them more narrow is actually the way forward? For us, I think it depends on the game you're playing in. Um, today called for it because they weren't getting any joy out wide. Um, they obviously linked up a lot better with with Jose in, in, in that space as well. But when you're playing with wing backs, you should be playing narrower as a matter of course. Like that just that just should be happening. So for me, it doesn't really necessarily make too much of a difference. But it worked today, so it's worth persisting with. And Neto cutting in on his left and getting shots off should be a route to goal for us. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, do they need to get told at half-time that they should do that? Shouldn't it just become natural? Like, if they're both not getting joy down their wing, shouldn't they just naturally just think, hmm, let's try and swap, rather than waiting for Nuno to tell them? Just Maybe may he's told them that they can't do that. Maybe. We'll never know. But Potentially. Me, Potentially. I suppose they don't. Yeah, I suppose they're, they're told to stick to their position, aren't they? Stuart Alsop wants to know, will Neves be next season's captain? Good question. Probably Kilman, knowing you lot. <laughs> <laughs> is, but is yeah, that based on Cody not being around? Not Cody not being around anymore? Well, then? interpret that question as you will, but I think anybody with with a, a neutral head on their shoulders would think that an upgrade in our cent- in our centre-back department is needed, whether that means that Cody gets pushed further up the pitch. But I think it's a good question to ask. I don't think Neves is in, is in a position where anyone's going to come in for him and will accept, a, accept a, a bid for him. So could he be captain next season? I suppose it depends on... I suppose the, the, the next question is, is Cody going anywhere or will he be dropped next season? Dan, what do you reckon? I think this is a massive pre-season for Nuno on where he goes as a coach, whether he evolves or whether he sticks to all he knows, which is a cautious three at the back. If he wants to improve, then unfortunately, Cody's going to have to be upgraded, isn't he? Which then captaincy has to change, unfortunately. It's it's almost uh, similar to the Danny Bot kind of situation in the, the, the promotion in, uh, year. Like yeah. we we kind of phased him out, yeah. phased him out a little Club bit. Captain. He played, yeah, you know, and he's still really? around. Is it really Danny Bot was always rubbish? No, not the point. I, well, I'll it's more it. just the case that we need to. We, if we if we sign a centre back and we improve on. On that yeah. on that defensive line, it, it it doesn't leave space for Cody. I think he's I don't think he's irreplaceable in that back line. So you you then have to just make the decision that yeah, Dev Neves is kind of the de facto leader as a result of that. But then you could also say we need mm. we've got someone to replace Cody, haven't we? In terms of his leadership quality, is Neves Neves is obviously not the same sort of character that Cody is. Like Neves, I'd guess, would be more of a lead by example captain. So I think that would be also a consideration as well. But in terms of ability, I'd agree, you know, we've got probably got to look at it, haven't we, next season? Ability-wise, Cody hasn't exactly covered himself in glory this season. Mm, it's, a good, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Um, Andy Gillard, finally, we'll wrap it up. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, Andy. What are we having for tea tonight? Anything special? M and S and M and S steaks, wine. What, what are we having for tea? Anything special for Valentine's Day? I'm going to collect a, a large platter of sushi, actually. So 
That was the the request from the wife. Nothing says romance like raw fish. No, not at all. Not at all. I believe um, it's uh, chicken risotto with white wine this evening. Oh, I oh, love, love chicken. You sound posh compared to me. I'm having a mixed grill from the new. Soda. Where are you? New soda. Oh, this, no, the, they are doing like takeouts and stuff. Yes, correct. It's, it's a good one. It's a good one to be fair. I've been I've been a couple of times and. They do blue moon on draft, and it's well. Let's not talk about sitting inside pubs now, but <laughs> yeah. Dan, is there any um, smoked cheese going in that risotto? Just to to think about. N- not that I'm aware of. I'll um, I'll have a look within the kitchen parameters once I'm down there. Apple with you... smoked cheddar in there that gives you that extra little zing. <laughs> are, are you are you capping it off with a soco and lemonade at the end, Dan? No, I don't drink. I don't drink on a school night. Some of us are still having to work in the office, so uh, I don't drink when I when I know I have to drive to work the next morning because I'm a responsible adult. Nicely done. I like it. Not regarding your comments around Kilman. Is she irresponsible adult? Right then, guys, we'll wrap it up for now. Then, so thank you um, for listening in. For those that have. one thing I want to say at the moment, there is so much content out there across the fancast platforms. There really is just so much that you can be listening to with your one-stop shop for content at the minute. Gully has his absolutely fantastic GTA series at the moment where he does a deep dive into games in a level that nobody is out there doing it at the moment to the level that he is. It is fantastic. So check that out on YouTube. We have uh, stories from the pack, um, which is looking at different people in the Wolves community, how they got into Wolves and their stories following the club. We've got the mental health podcast, It's Time to Talk. We've got the racism um, deep dive podcast that we're going to be recording an episode of shortly. Filmcast episodes in the archives as well. There really is so much that you can be listening to to keep yourselves entertained over lockdown. And it's not all Wolves related either if you just do need a break from football, but we are here with lots of content. And if you like something and you enjoy it, drop us a message and, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to get some more content out for you. Well, for now, we will sign off. So, Dan, if you want to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Part from Max Kilman. <laughs> Kim, if you want to say goodbye. Bye-bye. And Gully, if you would like to say goodbye. Happy Valentine's Day, people. And, yeah, from me, Matt, happy Valentine's Day. Up oh, the fucking wolves. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.